The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning. Good morning and welcome back. Um, a couple of things really quick for you men who are here. Uh, several of us gathered yesterday for Anchored Men and it was fantastic. I just want to fill you in on what you missed out on. Meatballs. Yes, Candace sent some amazing meatballs. Barbecue chicken. Bob Schaefer did smoked chicken and it was had this dry rub on it that was exquisite. And I brought some ribs. And we ate so much food. And then we played croquet. <laughs> it was a level one course. It's a, it was a pretty technical yard. So we uh, uh, talked about the prodigal son story. Uh, but a really good time. So I encourage you. That is happening every other month. Anchored men. And then on the opposite months, anchored women. So, um, you know, I, I know like all the way leading up to it, and it can be easy to forget, but I really encourage you, if you can, just to be at those times, because, uh, I mean, we, we were there 10 to 1, and I go into those times, it's a Saturday, so I go and go and like, hey, I'm going to find an excuse and like leave early. That's my heart, okay? But <laughs> we were there the whole time together, and, and part of it was, it was like over an hour of just talking about Luke 15 together, so, um, yeah, really encourage you to be there when you, uh, and plus the protein, the protein was exquisite. <laughs> so, um, uh, we are our third week into the sermon series, Jesus Said That, looking at what Jesus actually said. So beyond our uh, sometimes very flowery uh, proclamations of love to Jesus that we make um, in song or prayer or to one another, uh, or in our journal, or the, the pledges of faith, or pledges of allegiance to him. Uh, oftentimes, I think we, f- we find that when we get into what Jesus actually said, the, the things that, that we um, see is, is Jesus highlighting uh, in our minds and in our memory and our little you know, pithy statements that we say oftentimes don't reflect uh, the gravity of what Jesus actually said and how Jesus lived and, and how he invited us to follow him. And so uh, first Sunday, which was three weeks ago, we looked at Matthew 5, where, where Jesus doesn't say the law's done. He says the law's fulfilled. And he says it's actually, a, it's way harder. It was way harder than you ever imagined to fulfill the law. So we talked about following the fulfiller, that we have to follow Jesus. That There's no option other than following the way of Jesus into relationship with the Father. Then last week we looked at uh, we looked at Luke fourteen and how Jesus invites us uh, to Himself. But He says, "If you receive My invitation, what that's going to look like is you're going to invite the outsider in. So the people who feel most far away from God, the, the people who maybe you look at passing by or reading about or whatever, and you'd be like, oh, they make me really uncomfortable.' And he's like, "Those are the people I want you inviting in." 
the forgotten, the most hurting, the most broken. He goes, if you've received my invitation, you're going to be inviting other people. And not, not just like, hey, come to church. He goes, you're actually going to be inviting them to your home. There's nothing more vulnerable and more welcoming, right, than your home. So um, this week we're going to get into to John 14. Before we do that, though, will you pray with me? Father, as we gather here, um, I pray, just with the words that have come now found, that you would tune our hearts. Sometimes we feel in life that we're a little out of key. We, we aren't striking the sound that we want to especially as we really open up your word and see how you live Jesus. So Spirit, we just pray that you'll use this time. We would listen. We would respond in obedience and faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today, uh, the sermon title is A Cure for the Troubled Soul. Um, and just to start, I want to talk about what is a troubled soul or a troubled heart. I think the best description I can think of for a troubled heart is, is that of a very small boat in the open ocean where there's no side of land, there's no stars in the sky, and the waves are 10, 20, 30 feet And there is no sign of help. I think that is the best description I can think of for a troubled soul. When our soul or our hearts are troubled, there is no apparent way out. We could strain our eyes for that lighthouse or for something that would abate our panic, but the troubled soul oftentimes perceives only danger and darkness. That is the troubled soul. And, and so the, the troubled soul we, we find here in John 13 leading to John 14. But before we even do that, that idea of, of the, the boat that seems so overwhelmed, uh, we get that very same picture in Mark 4. Jesus is in a boat. Jesus is with his disciples. And... <laughs> And Jesus is responding to the troubled situation very differently. Very differently than you or I would, very differently than the disciples would. The disciples being very seasoned fishermen are afraid. They're troubled. There's, in their eyes, no land in sight, right? They think they're gonna die. And Jesus is sleeping. And I think, what a picture what a picture for us as we, we enter into this incredible, our, our, the big statement by Jesus this week is don't let your hearts be troubled. And it's essentially what he tells the disciples when he wakes up in Mark 4. And they're panicked. They think they're going to die. And, he, and he, he just stands up and he goes, hush, be still. And he looks and he goes, man. Why do you have such little faith? And in the same way, the same like uh, so hard to understand way, Jesus commands, don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, now think of if, if for some of this, this might be very emotive. This might fill you with, with almost like 
like physical angst to, to just consider what's troubling you, what has troubled you. And in that, that space to be commanded, hey, don't fear, don't be anxious, don't be troubled. That's, for you, that's probably like, that's the last thing I need you to tell me. It's the last thing is just to be commanded, don't trouble. Don't have a troubled heart. Well, there's a reason Jesus is saying that, and, and we will get to that first. The command he gives uh, seems to come after the most troubling news they could receive. Uh, I'm just going to tell you the story leading up to it. What they've just come through in John thir- 13 is uh, Jesus has let them know that Judas will betray them, that Jesus will betray Jesus, he'll betray the disciples, and he leaves in, in this very, very uh, powerful single verse that says, Simply, and it was night. <laughs> I mean, imagine right, that troubled feeling, like it was night. All seemed dark as Judas left. And then, and then Jesus swings into the same where he's like, it just seems it would be something they all would celebrate, which is the, God is, the Father's glorifying me because I'm glorifying him and, and glory is just gonna be rippling through the universe. And he goes, but I'm gonna have to leave. Second really troubling thing, Jesus is going to leave and even more than just leaving, he's letting them know he's going to die. And so then Peter very bravely thinks he's going to sweep in. He feels very heroic. He's going to save the day. He's going to rescue them from this, this troubling setting. And he says, no. His words exactly are this. He goes, Lord, uh, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. So what he's saying is he goes, you know, I, they will have to walk over my dead body to come to you, Jesus. And, and the third trouble thing Jesus says is this. He goes, not only will Judas betray us, not only am I going to leave and the way I'm going to leave is by death. But lastly, Peter, you're going to deny me. Your heroism, that feeling you feel in your heart right now of nothing Nothing can keep you from loving me. Nothing can stop you. Peter, the reality is what's in your heart is denial. And you will be a denier of me. Now, with those three things, Jesus goes immediately into the bold statement of John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. How can they not let their hearts be troubled? Jesus is going to die. And they will betray him and they will deny him. Well, Jesus shows the way to not let our hearts be troubled. So if we can just read uh, John 14, 1 through 4 together and, and really is what we're going to... Um, called a plan for not having a troubled heart. I'll just read it from my Bible if you guys have it. Um, I invite you to follow along. John 14, one through four says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. What is Jesus's plan for curing 
a troubled heart. It's really threefold. The first thing is this. The first thing is the person. The second is a place. And the third thing is his plan laid out. So the first thing is, look at this. This is amazing. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And at that point, we just panic. And I think like the disciples, we just stop listening. Right? I mean, you can read all throughout the Gospels, the disciples stop listening. And you hear it where, where Jesus is like, the Father's being glorified. I've glorified the Father. The Father's glorifying me. And immediately Peter's like, over my dead body. Right? It's like, you did not listen at all. At all. And often that's what we do. Don't be troubled. You can't command me to not freak out. I'm freaking out. Right? And Jesus is like, okay, that was just a period. And we're going on. There's more. You believed in God, now believe also in me. What he's saying is this. Now, the, the, the Jewish people were a very proud people, and proud for good reasons. I'm not saying like they're proud for bad reasons. They're proud for great reasons. They are the chosen people. God chose them in a unique way among all people. Now, it wasn't necessarily a complimenting way. He's like, it's not because you're the best, it's because you're the smallest, right? <laughs> It's not because you're the bravest, you're kind of the most cowardly, but that's, that's why I chose you. Like, and I, I picked you out, and then I gave you my law. And I would send a, I would, I'm going to send a Messiah, a savior of the entire world. That was, right, Genesis 12 to Abraham, he's going to bless the entire world. All people will be blessed through the Jewish people. That's amazing. And, and this, this God who did this to these people, gave them his word. And he's saying, if you believe him, that he has chosen you, I want you to believe also in me. The whole story from Genesis to Malachi, I, I want you to know that whole story, everything it's saying about God, I want you to put that same trust in me, the God who created the universe and everything in it, the God who ripped open the Red Sea and led his people through it, the faith you put in that God, put in me. So Jesus is saying, I am God. So it's, it's, it's first thing, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Everything I have told you, everything I have not only communicated with words, but in my life and the way I've loved you, believe that. So that was the first thing we knew, need to do to cure our troubled heart is to believe Jesus. As we look at the Old Testament and we're like, man, imagine what it would have looked like to walk through the Red Sea with two walls of water on both sides. Like, would that not be a faith-building moment? <laughs> right, all these, all these things. And you look and you're like, wow, look what God can do. You're like, well, look what Jesus can do. So don't let your heart be troubled because Jesus is going, I'm offering myself. Put your faith in the person of Jesus. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And the second thing is this. He goes, I'm going to tell you about a place. This place is my father's house. Now, reading about this, this, um, these uh, several verses, these four verses, uh, one of the commentators told this story, and they told, their story was that they, um, they were playing soccer uh, on a team, and 
the team was playing miles away from their home, and one of the kids lived closer to where the tournament was, and so instead of coming back home, they were going to stay at their friend's house. Now, the, the, their soccer team, he was British, so he called it a football team. Uh, he said, you know, as our football team, we, were, we got in the cars, and we, you know, there was a lot of us. And so the whole way, we were talking to our friend, and we were saying, you know, are you sure there's enough room? And he's like, yeah, there's enough, like, there's enough room at my house. And, and they said there was nothing but doubt in their hearts. They thought this is going to be the worst experience of their life. They're going to be like thrown in the backyard and they're going to have to sleep on the ground. And he said, and, and when they get to the gate, it is obvious that this is no ordinary house. And as they, walk, as they drive down the drive, this is no ordinary house. And as they get to it, it is more of a hotel than a house. It is a mansion. And he said they spent the next hours literally just running through this house that seemed to be no end to it as they arrived, and, and how similar is that, right? To Jesus is like, hey, my father's house. And we're like, is there enough room? Like, what? Tell me about it. And Jesus is like, I'm more than happy to tell you about my father's house. And it's so cool that Jesus, talking about his father's house, speaks of it uh, as this home, this home that n- not only, uh, you know, is just a place of lodging, but literally is what we've all longed for in home. We just had this long sermon series of going home. And, and God is not, is not um, shy in giving us details of what this home will be like. The place of God, the place of the Father, the place that will be home, it says it is a place of comfort where there will be no more tears. It's a place of provision where there will be no, no lack. Oftentimes in talking about the Father's home, it just talks about feasting. It's a place of health a place where there is no sickness, a place of life where there is no death. This is the Father's home. And so in my Father's house are many rooms, room upon room upon room. And then Jesus says, I know this sounds too good to be true. This is a too good to be truth. So I'm just going to wrap this up by saying, if it were not so, I would not have told you. You believed in God. You believe in the creator of the universe. Now believe the the creator of the universe and putting your faith in me that we are building a house where there's room upon room upon room where there's no sickness, no death. There is no lack and there's no more tears. This This is not an imaginary religious place to make you feel better. What Jesus is saying when he says, if it were not so, I would not have told you. He says, this is a fact. This is a reality. The Father's house is a reality. And so the question for us, he goes, if you're gonna believe me, will you believe me in this? That this is the long for and anticipated home. This is the lighthouse that you look for in the storm. This is what you keep your eyes focused on. And, and so the question is, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to believe me in this? And the last thing is he simply does this. He simply tells the plan. And if I go, I will prepare a place for you. What this means is simply this. It's not here. I have to go. Now what does this communicate to us? It communicates that this place of death and dying, this place of tears, this place of lack is not the place. 
So Jesus is going to go and he's going to prepare a place. Think of that, the preparation, what Jesus is saying in this, this is so good. In his going to prepare a place, he's like, while I'm there, I'm thinking of you. I'm preparing, isn't that so cool? I mean, think about it. Like, Jesus is going, and he's not like, I'm going, and you guys were so difficult. I just, I just need some peace. I need to get away. I need to clear my mind, because earth has been horrible. <laughs> His whole mission was God so loved the world that he came, and he so loved the world that then when he goes, he is investing in your future by preparing a place for you. That's good news. And then he says, and then I am coming back. This is the plan. When it's fully prepared, when the table is set, when the feast is ready, I'm going to come back and I will take you to be with me. Forever. This is it. This is the forever plan. This is what it means to not have your heart be troubled. To put your faith in the person of Jesus. <laughs> to let your, your mind run wild about that father's home that has room upon room upon room. Room enough for us all who have put our faith in Jesus. And that right now he's, just pre- he's preparing that place and he will come again so that we can be where he is. You know the way to the place I am going. How do we know the way? Because he just laid it out. Now, <laughs> Thomas, who's well known as Doubting Thomas, it's, you know, it's, it'd be a lame way to be remembered, but that's the way we remember Thomas. Doubting Thomas. And it's because every time he talks, he's just like, uh. And, and that's what he goes. Following this, Thomas literally says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> he's like, just going to say what all of us are thinking. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> so, so how are we going to get there? And... <laughs> I imagine, I, I imagine Jesus being just deflated, almost like, oh gosh. <laughs> and, and that's what he says, looking at Thomas, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is not new. He's just said this. <laughs> you believe the Father, believe in me, right? <laughs> the only way to get to the place, if I go and prepare a place, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you. What's the way? Ta- being taken by Jesus. You can't find the way without him. You must be taken there by Jesus and the place is being prepared. You know the way. The question is, will you listen to Jesus? Will you listen to Jesus? So the question simply for us today is, what troubles our hearts? And and does the trouble that oftentimes overwhelms us in the days, the weeks, the years, does that make us respond to Jesus by embracing our fears and going, despite all the things Jesus said, we just don't know the way. We don't, where are you going? We don't know the way. Because that, that's, that's often what it does. And Jesus is going, no, don't let your hearts be troubled. I've shown you, I've shown you myself, the person. I've shown you the place, the Father's house. I've shown you my plan. 
Will you trust me in that? Now, uh, this has been uh, a very special truth for, um, for me to consider this week. Uh, as you know, my father's very sick, but um, my grandmother's being moved into hospice this next Tuesday. And uh, we got to visit her this last week in the hospital. She's 93 years old, and uh, we were able to communicate that we loved her, and she smiled and said she loved us even though she couldn't open her eyes. And, um, and what do we do with this? This finality in so many ways that death seems to us, this darkness. I mean, think of, think of that boat in the storm. That death can seem like that because we, none of us other than Jesus has gone and come back. And what does that mean? That he's the only one that knows the way. And the one who is the only one who has gone and come back and now shows us the way is saying this to us. He is the one that said this to us. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I want to I close by reading to you. Um, I've read this probably three times before in sermons, but this is probably the happiest quote to me, I, I meditate on it all the time. It's, it's by Dostoevsky, and he says this. He says, I believe like a child that suffering will be healed and made up for. That all the uh, humiliating absurdity of human contradictions will all vanish like a pitiful mirage. That in the world's finale, at the moment of eternal harmony, something so precious will come to pass that it will suffice for all the hearts, for the comforting of all resentments, for the atonement of all the crimes of humanity, for all the blood that they have shed, that it will make it not only possible to forgive, but to justify all that has happened. I believe something so precious will come to pass. I love that. I'm, seriously, that is, <laughs> that is something I think about so often. I believe something so precious will come to pass that it will make up for it all. Believing that something so precious will come to pass is believing the words of Jesus. Believing that something so precious will come to pass that everything we've experienced, all the troubling of our hearts, all the things that would trouble our hearts, we'll look back on and we'll say, Jesus was always right. I never needed to have a troubled heart. (laughs) The Father's house was bigger and better than I ever imagined it would be and that he is coming back. He will take us to the place he is going that will be our forever home. That's what we trust when we trust the actual words of Jesus. Pray with me. Father, I pray that there will be just a treasure here that we hold on to. Maybe not all the words, but promise that something so precious will come to pass. So Something so precious has been promised to us by God himself, by Jesus. And it is absolutely certain and true. Something that takes away the sting of death 
makes death a momentary passing. I pray that heaven will just expand in our minds in a truthful imagination to consider all that is in store for us forever. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.